Hello and welcome to Two Defeats from a Crisis, the review show on Saturday at 3. My name's Andrew, I'm joined tonight by two of my very favourite podders. First of all, Dave, how are you doing, man? Yeah, good, mate. Bit more positive after Saturday. Absolutely, absolutely. And also joining us is Tom. How are you, big man? I'm always good. Always good. And it's good good to be on a pod with Dave and you again. So let's let's get into (laughs) it. Happy, joyful, smiling pod. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, it's, it's all it's amazing how positive we can be after a 4-0 win. Um, yeah, let's get right into it then. Rangers uh, up against Tibbs. You know, a couple of weeks ago, this maybe looked like something a bit dodgy, especially given Rangers form. But I, I think it's fair to say we completely blew them away. It's 4-0 going on 7, I think you said, Dave. So, you know, let's um, let's dive right into it. Um, very exciting. The start of the uh, Philippe Clément era. So, all very good. Um, team sheets, first of all. Now, I, I did see a bit of complaint online about this, but ultimately I think this is um, just big Phil going with what he's got. Butland and goals, of course. Tav, Golden, Suter and Barisic across the back four. Lundstrom, Raskin, Holding. Scott Wright, Lammers and Seema as the attacking mids. And Serial Dessers up top. Uh, Dave, come to you first then. Thoughts on the team sheet? Is it pretty much a case of you've got to go with what you've got? I there was a bit of grumbling about it. Every group chat I'm in said the same thing, and one of my mates said he was in the fan zone, and there was a kind of collective groan. But he can only really go with what he's got. He's only been in a week, he's, as he says himself. He's not a fucking magician. He can't bring Cantwell, Danilo, and Roof back to fitness. So he's gone with the guys who've got the most minutes and their legs, the most obvious team. And to be perfectly honest, for me, the team sort of picked itself. I don't think there was too many changes that realistically you could have made without throwing in somebody who's either got a smashed in face, chronic history of injury problems, or is just coming back for, for a prolonged period. So really, for me, it was the obvious team. He's went, we kind of what he's got. For that reason, would you hold it against them if something had gone wrong? Don't know, but uh, aye, for me it was obvious. I didn't share the disappointment as much, but the encouraging thing for me is he showed he can get a tune to some extent out of that particular group of players who probably have been amongst the most criticised in the squad, the guys who took the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you actually list the top 11 most criticised players, <laughs> apart from Butland, they're all out there. Uh, exactly, yeah, but I mean, it it has been this core of t- of players who have um, who have been the ones who are playing um, because they are, I think, for better or worse, the most consistent starting eleven that we have in terms of availability. Um, so yeah, I, I think it very much is that. Um, unfortunately, we see ten minutes in, Borna Barisic pulls up injured. No one's near him, and uh, Yilmaz comes on to replace him. So. Tom, 10 minutes in, you're all very excited. The Clemont uh, era looks very similar to the Beale era so far. Yeah, I mean, in in Borna's defence, which is which is a phrase I, I don't think I've ever used before, from what I, I think heard, he was... That's probably a Saturday at three first, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from what I understand, he was limping and holding his thigh even before kick-off. Oh, so right, OK. I, you know, I think it, it... I don't know if you just thought, you know, I'll have a go, but it being, being as bonus personality that we've normally seen that would surprise me but yeah I, I, I think he maybe just tried it and uh didn't didn't come off for him but maybe he's trying to impress a new manager as we maybe all would in his position 
Sure. No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I think he did also play the two internationals, did he not? So he's get coming off the back here. I don't know if he played the full games there, Dave. Um, right. I, I know he came in for some criticism from um, from someone. Got, who, he got absolute pelters, didn't he? Yeah, so I don't believe it was the actual manager, but I believe it's a manager in the uh, in the Croatian league said yeah. that if it was up to him, he wouldn't be picking Borna because uh, he kept seeing him uh, taking the ball and passing it backwards all the time, which yeah. obviously we've never seen. Um, so it's obviously just something he does at international level, you know? Well, I don't know if you noticed, but his very first touch, I'd literally just get in and sat down and started talking to the guy next to me about... Uh, the new manager's philosophy, no shit passes, and the first thing Borna did was knock it back 40 yards to Butland. <laughs> I had a bit of chuckle at that. He couldn't really do it else, to be fair, but I thought, oh, fuck, right, here we go. Big player, yep. no backwards passes, and there's Borna sliding one back 40 yards. <laughs> uh, well, it's difficult to get over what you, uh, you've you grown so used to, I suppose. Um, the good thing was we didn't have to wait too long for our first goal, uh, just seven minutes later. There's a bit of interplay up front from Dessas and Seema. Um, Dessas hold up the ball relatively well and eventually managed to get a pass away to Seema, who runs forward like a fucking rocket and just slots one in underneath the keeper. Um, Tom, this is yours to talk about, man. I mean, things are looking good already. Yeah, I mean... He's done. He's done well. You know, he's, he's coming onto a game the, the, last, uh, the last couple of uh, last couple of games as young seamer. So it's kind of a bit of hope that I'm putting my heart on for the rest. It's like we slagged mm-hmm. them all. You know, we slagged seamer. So yeah, he's he's, he's he's done all right. You know, he's in a good good vein of form. That's like Ryan Ryan who? <laughs> <laughs> but he's doing much better than uh, than Kent was this time last season. I mean, Dave. This boy, Seaber, he's fantastic, but of course, he's on loan. We can't have nice things. Do you think there's any chance we can manage to keep him uh, into the next season? Uh, I, I don't know. The, the premium you'd have to pay from a player for that league who's done well probably puts him out of reach in a kind of Tillman-esque fashion. But mm-hmm. he's, he's doing well, but he's still very unpredictable. Some of his touches look... Absolutely minging. Have you ever seen a ball before? There was one where he tried to step over and basically just sort of scooped it 10 yards away to a Hibs player. But then he goes and does that with the goal and his second goal, which will come to a terrific finish. In terms of, again, numbers, the eye test, you look at him and you go, you're really untidy and scrappy. But his numbers are undeniable and he's, mm-hmm. again, Tillman-esque, sort of carried us a wee bit in the forward area. Oh, and, yeah, uh, for sure. A terrific finish. I, I, at the moment, I don't know if I would go all out to keep him. I think we need to just see how he goes the rest of the season and see if this maybe isn't just a wee bit of a purple patch. My hope and my suspicion, if I'm honest, is that he will kick on a wee bit and start to... He's settled in now. He's, he seems to be a bit calmer in possession of the ball. He's looking for it more in good areas and he's no sort of fear to, to come forward. And as Tom says, he's a young guy settling into a new team, new culture, well, newish culture, I suppose, we've been up here. I think he'll come on to a bit more of a game in the second half of the season, and if that's the case, then hopefully we can do something to keep him, but with the no-buy clause thing and the premium, I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to fall in love with him just yet, just in case he does go back. I know you've been hurt before, Dave. It's OK. Oh. We, we can all feel, <laughs> you know, that bit of hesitancy, yeah, at the start. Um, so... I think in, in terms of how Rangers were playing, you you did see a little bit more of that aggression. You did see a lot more of that forward play. Um, 
we didn't look like we were settling back after getting a goal. We looked hungry and we kept pushing forward. And eventually, um, after some kind of attacking midfield play, we've got this interchange. Um, Lammers eventually manages to squeeze this ball away. Apparently fouls a Hibs player, but I'm really not sure I buy that. Raskin gets this long-range shot, which, I mean, for all the world, looks like it should be easy for the keeper. I think it takes a slight deflection on the way through, but goes into the back of the net. That's Raskin's first ever goal for the club. And, um, yeah, fantastic way to finish off the first half, Dave. Yeah, it's... Uh, the build-up to it, so I felt, again, just to pick up on the referee, and I've said this before, but there's there's a tendency of us to give all the wee small sort of niggly decisions against Rangers at Ibrox, and Don Robertson did that. Hibs get three or four free kicks that were probably not free kicks at all, or borderline Rangers free kicks, and that sort of swung the momentum. From about half an hour onwards, Hibs were the better team, mainly because Robertson was giving them every decision and Rangers couldn't really win the ball without giving away a free kick. So then you've got that. We do get up the park once. The ball, it's actually, a, it's quite a clear foul on Seema, if you watch it back. The boy completely goes through the back yeah. of him and we don't get it, which is again that momentum shifting. Hibs are getting free kicks, we're not. It pops for Lammers to Raskin and Nico just hits it for... I think fucking Cessna subway and it <laughs> trundles. I sat at that end of the ground and I was watching it going, if it gets through this glut of players, it's got a chance. And then it got through them and it's still got 18 yards to go. And I'm like, uh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> right. It's, is it, on t- it looks as if it's close to the corner, right? But surely the keeper. And then it, was, it all happened in such slow motion because I'm like, he's not getting his feet right. He's going to go down. Oh, he's not getting it. Oh, it's in. I th- you could have went for a pee and came back and it would still have been travelling in. But, I think he hits it in the 44th minute and it goes in in the 55th minute, you know. <laughs> it takes that long too, to travel. Aye, just as well it was two minutes added on. <laughs> uh, otherwise it would never get in. Aye, it's, by no means is it a, a thunderbolt, but low hard on target from distance, put it in the corner, see what happens. I, I, don't, yeah. I didn't think there was a deflection. I've seen it a couple of times and I, I, I didn't really process deflection. But it, It's because it goes through that, like, a nest of players, basically. So, I mean, if it is a deflection, it's very slow, uh, you know. But I think it's more just a sign that Marshall's days are numbered. I, I watched them a couple <laughs> of weeks ago for Hibs. I can't remember what game it was. And they were it was three each or four three or something. I think he threw three of them in the net and he was doing that old guy diving thing and doing installments. I think David Marshall's probably at the same position McGregor was last year. And that has certainly played a part in the ball getting in. But that's what happens if you shoot for distance. Keep it low and hard, get it in target, and you'll only get a few of them a season. But when they do come off, that takes all the pressure off just before half time. Mm-hmm. Different game. Points are almost certainly won by that point, and the game's done. And you can see in the second half, we were a different team. We played with a bit of confidence and freedom and gallusness. And that's what happens if you're prepared to, to buy that ticket and have a shot for there. And I did enjoy the VAR check as well, because they were desperate to find a foul, even though it was a foul on Seema. Yeah, I think the, the foul on Seema probably then cancels out the, the foul that Lammers allegedly commits. Um, even at that, it's, it would be the softest thing in the universe, you know. I know there was a bit of contention and uh, controversy over the um, the Seema effort, you know, a couple of weeks back in the league, but there, there was fucking no doubt as far as I was concerned on this one. Nah, absolutely not. 
When's it never controversy with us though? It's like we, oh, well, we never, I suppose we never see the that, score a fair goal. <laughs> <laughs> that that is right, Tom. Actually, yeah. I mean, I think as far as certain members of the Celtic supporters group is concerned, you know, we we've never actually had a fair goal. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably right. We we go into the halftime then, two 0 up, feeling fairly comfortable. Tom, I'll stick with you, but I mean, things are looking good so far, right? Yeah, it's just it's it's positivity. I think the I think the players themselves. Got, got a bit of confidence from it, as you said. Going in two 0 up, there's you know the heads heads are up, you know chess out a bit, gives them a bit more swagger, yeah. So, and then you know that that does feed to the to the supporters. So, I think that's the thing. I mean, you know, obviously there's the standard jokes that we have about Rangers supporters and their expectations, right? This pod's called Two Defeats from a Crisis because I mean, and even fairly. It probably should be one defeat from crisis. Hell, it was one misplaced pass away from crisis at points, um, especially when we're not uh, performing well elsewhere. But I think there's still that acceptance that, you know, w- we've only got so many options. Um, I don't think anyone's going to give up Rangers over um, over a poor managerial choice, although um, some of the uh, <laughs> hyperbole around it has kind of edged towards that at times. But, you know, ultimately we're all Rangers fans. We want to see the team go you know, performing well, but we also want reasons to cheer for these players. The players give us reasons to cheer, which they did, you know, fairly well in abundance during this game. Then, then the fans will cheer. We're not, you know, in there for the sake of, you know, being miserable for the sake of being miserable. Um, I mean, there's probably one or two. Um, one of them sits next to Eddie on occasion, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, 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 but the majority of uh, of uh, Rangers fans, I think, are, are looking for good things to happen. So, um, yeah, give us reasons to cheer. But the fans will cheer. Into the second half then, and uh, I think Rangers continue to play quite well. Uh, Cantwell comes on to replace Scott Wright. I, again, I, I don't think it's any slight on Todd Cantwell. He's um, he's always been a, an adequate servant for us. Um, I think, as we were speaking about just before we came on air, Dave, you know, He's never really put a foot wrong. Maybe he's not quite the level of quality that we'd like, but certainly he he always tries. He always offers something. And um, yeah, I, I don't think he did himself any harm in the manager's eyes um, in this uh, this little sixty minutes. No, I, I said to you before we came on. Don't mind Scott Wright. I can't think of a game where he said a complete and utter zero out of ten, and I can level that at. Most of the starting eleven, you could say they've had a complete nuke. He's never really done that. He's made the odd mistake. Some people slept, but a high-profile mistake uh, in a certain game. I don't really want to discuss, but I don't really see that way. I see him as somebody who's quite dogged, does what he's asked, can light the game up for time to time with a wee turn or a wee bit of pace. He done a good turn and got through and go at the weekend. There works hard, tracks his man generally sort of solid citizen like most Scottish signings we've had through the years have tended to be and there's a quota element for UEFA to be met he's no earning a lot of money I don't I wouldn't imagine you, you can need guys like that he's never going to rock the boat and demand a game or demand a way or generally cause any trouble Walter Smith built teams out of guys of that ilk I think he probably could argue he had better qualities disposal but Scottish guys who get with it means to play for Rangers and are prepared to put themselves second to the club I'm I'm fine with Scott Wright's continued presence in that regard and against the bottom six at home or as he showed teams with aspirations higher than that 
fine, start him. He'll do a job. He'll never let you down. I don't think it's ever hidden. Mm-hmm. You know, no, he, might no, a shock, he might have been a shocker, but. It, I've never seen him hide in a game, and you know, sometimes they can't ask much more than that. No, that's it. Somebody who can, who's going to keep showing for the ball, keep doing their bit, keep doing what they're asked, which is get high and wide and look for the ball and try and stretch a game, take people on. You see, I, I don't recall a game where I ever thought you're fucking hiding here, and I did think that at times. Uh, guys like Kent, who are supposedly levels above him, mm-hmm. and when you're playing football, watching football, coaching as I do. All you're looking for sometimes is people who are just prepared to put the head above the parapet and get stuck in. And like I say, we're right. I, I've never felt that he did anything less. I think that's completely fair. Um, but ultimately, he's coming off and beautiful Todd's coming on. So I've already forgotten him and uh, I've moved on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, of course, right, I. Yeah, uh, but that's the thing, right? You, you want to have options. It's probably a good thing that if we don't have to play Todd Cantwell for ninety minutes every single, well, well, twice there, a week, right? There you go. That's let's reverse the subs, right? So let's say we're two 0 up against Hibs mm-hmm. in the sixtieth minute or whatever it was. Cantwell goes off. We review it Thursday, and Scott Wright comes on and just yeah. uses his pace to run a tired Hibs defence ragged. Perfect. That's the that's what he's there for mm-hmm. is to do that. We get Todd on. Todd starts, contributes to getting us two, three up, and then take the big hitters off and see the game out. That's that's his perfect purpose. So, mm-hmm. aye, in an ideal world where Todd's no injured, that's what happens. And I've said in this pod before, I felt that, particularly under Gerard, there was times where we didn't get it two or three goals up, so we couldn't rest players. And that over a season, that not being able to switch out your big hitters, eventually grinds you down. Especially if you're in a situation that we are where your bench maybe isn't at the same level as your first team. You need that option to solid citizens to switch out, which is another plus in the Scott Wright call for me and that you, you can trust them to come on and help you see a game out, bit of pace, bit of yeah. directness and take time out of Kent. No, no, sorry, no Kent. I mean, Cantwell or whoever else's legs. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's having those options on the bench that you can rely on and you know what they'll do. And too often, unfortunately, especially with some of the transfers this season, we haven't been able to guarantee what a sub or what a, a start will do for some of these players. Um, so, so yeah, someone dependable and reliable is sorely underrated, I think, for sure. Okay, so let's uh, move on. We did not have to wait long after that one for the third goal. Uh Lammers, uh, again, contributing here. Long pass from him. Dessas gets the ball, and again, we're getting flashbacks to um, how Dessas has been playing. He takes about three shots at the target, manages to get them on target, but none of them are going in. I think there's a handball in there as well from the Hibs players, but Seema's right up there with him, eventually just takes the ball off of him. And it's almost like a half volley straight into the back of the net. An absolute rocket, Tom. I mean... Fantastic finish from Seymour, and we are lucky to have this boy at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it was almost, you know, it was shot, 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 and eventually just went, fucking move. I'll do it. Yeah, it was a fun, very technical finish. I think, you know, fair play to him. Great, great finish, you know, and that was a kind of sealed the points. Then, yeah, got great performance by, by him. I think it's a, it's, it's a quite underrated finish because he's got his spin his entire body, and the ball's mm-hmm. falling and spinning. And to get the level of power in it and get it on target is a a pretty difficult technique to execute. So, 
I've been kind of hard on him for his technical ability, but he does fantastically there. I completely agree. Um, again, I don't want to rehash what we said for the first goal, but it's excellent having someone as consistent as that up front. Um, he's, he's doing really exciting things. And I don't want to downplay what Dessas and Lammers both did in the build-up to that because those are two players who have come in for some heavy criticism. Um, but both of them contributing really well. But the pass from Lammers is excellent. I mean, it's really good. Just splits the Hibs defence completely. And Dessas does well, at the very least, to keep the ball in play and alive, um, even if he can't quite get the finish. So I'm very happy that both of them contributed, uh, even if they um, they didn't manage to uh, you know, do the business themselves. We, um, we again, have a, another period where Rangers look fairly dominant. And, uh, yep, finally in the 79th minute, beautiful Todd. It does, I think, something that only beautiful Todd can do. A uh, pass that is completely wild, puts it on a plate for Dessers, who I don't think even he expected to receive it there. And, Tom, we talked about this before we came on, but it's a fantastic finish from Dessers. Um, looks like the opposite of uh, how he's been playing previously because he just places this perfectly into the um, into the bottom right-hand corner. Fantastic finish and really good to see that for for Dessers as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think we've, I think we've got to give Campbell some particular praise. But you know, before we before we got onto Dessers, you know, to, to get the ball, he almost seemed to wait, seen you know, seen Tavernier running, almost wait for the defenders to commit towards him before putting the you know putting the pass into Dessers. As you said, I don't think he was expecting it. I was expecting him to lash it, you know, put the laces through it. I just want a goal, but. He had the, the the presence of mind to slow it down a bit, think about it, and place it. And you never know. I mean, this this, this new manager might actually find a player in there. In, in which case, you know, he said he wasn't Harry Potter, but I think that, that's every magician you can imagine rolled into one if you can if you can manage that. He's a good few steps above Harry Potter if you could pull that off. But yeah, I mean, it's um, it's always good to see. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think four nil up, game's done at that point for sure. Um, we did have an opportunity, I think, a little bit before that from Sam Lammers. A good effort hits the posts and it's disappointing. But the fact is that under this manager, I think that there's an expectation that I want you to try things. I want you to go for it and don't be worried if it doesn't come off. I just want you to keep trying it and not go into your shell, which is probably counterproductive in um, in the Ibrox environment because, um, you know, we boo for throw-ins not taken quick enough. But... Nevertheless, I, I like that idea of just saying, look, it doesn't matter. You keep trying, you keep pushing forward. Um, and so Lammers has managed to contribute for two of these goals. And he's certainly done his part. So it was a shame that he didn't get the goal, but that's not the be-all and end-all um, for his game. He's he's helped build up a lot of these things. Um, so I, I wanted to touch on that uh, as he came off for uh, young Ross McCosland who is still floating around the, the first team here. Good to see the youths. And uh, Danilo coming on as well for Dessas, which, frankly, it's good to see him just up and moving at this moment because, uh, yeah, when he went off uh, a few weeks back, I thought you know he was going to be out for a long while. But he, he's back, and uh, we can get Lammers and Dessas producing the goods, and we can get Danilo back on form as well. Then uh, suddenly our strike force looks a lot more potent, Dave. 
Aye, one of the things I was positive about in this summer was the fact that we did sign four forwards and as we say, if two of them could start to contribute, Lammers and Dessers, great. If we can get Danilo in the team and Roof, hopefully Danilo and Roof particularly, that's four good forward options and Todd plays in that, just behind that lot. It's the, But the big problem we've always had since we came back up is not breaking down tight defences and scoring enough goals to win games. That's been it. Defensively, we've had seasons have been better than others, but it's that ability to break teams down and score in the last 15 minutes when it's one each. Roof is the the go-to guy for that. Hopefully, Danilo can do similar, but it's by no means a defensive deal, but we've missed these guys, Todd, Danilo, Roof, for the, the last couple of games, when which has sealed his fate. And getting them back is going to be massive, particularly coming into the cup semi-final and hopefully final, which looks like our next reasonable chance, well, as our next reasonable chance of silverware. And we're going to need some pretty big performances in Europe if we want to get the group now. So, I delighted we're starting to hopefully overcome this uh, shamanic curse that's been placed on us by a 90s Celtic youth player. Can I just say, I think it was a really good bit my management as well, Take, taking Dessers off, you know, the, the goal is going to boost his confidence, take him off, the fans are still, you know, on a high, you know, so the, the, so they, it, they, appreciated what, they appreciated what he did, the crowd appreciated what he did, so it almost mm-hmm. boosts him as well. So he's got I... back into, into training today, bit of a smile on his face, swinging his step, it can only be a good thing. Yep, good point. I, I said to the boy next to me, Barry, I said, uh, it got a wee bit later than normal, Bill would always make his subs like most poor managers based on the time and the clock rather than on what was happening in the game and I thought he just left that um, Dessers and Lammers on a wee bit longer than he normally would have or most managers would have to see because we were creating chances we were definitely had more goals in us and I think he left them on to go right I'm going to just wait and see if one of these two can tuck one of these chances away and get their confidence up a wee bit because normally what would happen is it takes 65 minutes and Bill or probably even Gerard would have went, right, 65 minutes, subs made regardless of what's happening. But as you see, I think it's good man management to go, right, I'm going to let Dessers stay on and see if he can't poach his cell a goal. So, aye, something I noticed as well. No, for sure. And I think on that man management point as well, you saw that a lot with the subs as well. You know, everyone was getting a word in the ear as they were coming on. And I don't think we saw a lot of that from Beal. It was pretty much just, oh, you're coming off, well, you go on, go for it, you know. But for this, I mean, Dessers was, I mean, sorry, not Dessers, Philippe Clément was very, very, um, I think, animated on the touchline, uh, got involved in the play on one occasion, and um, <laughs> which obviously should have called off the whole game, you know, game should have been forfeit, obviously. I, I think we're going to offer to replay it. <laughs> uh, as long as the goals still count, that'd be fine. Um, and then, yeah, you know, uh, he he was certainly much more animated, involved with the players um, throughout the game. You know, you could see that in terms of how he's motivating them. Obviously, for him, this is massive as well. It, it's a big club to be at. It's a good opportunity to put yourself on the stage. Um, it's similar to how you know we always sell the club to players. You know, this can be a stepping stone to big things, but also you can do big things here as well. Um, Rangers are in a position where ultimately you've got one big team to beat in your local league. The rest of the teams matter as well, but realistically all things being well you've got one big team to beat and then the rest of it is just you can win cups and you can compete in Europe hopefully at a decent level 
So it's a great opportunity for a manager to kind of make their name and, and hope, look on to bigger and better things, although hopefully not for a, a little while just yet. Um, but the fact that he was so involved and cyanated was really encouraging to see because I think for one reason or another, we have been lacking in that um, kind of engagement, it feels like, from the, from the dugout, uh, at least under the previous manager, for sure. Um the game um, petered out at that point. You know, obviously we're four 0 up. Hibs are, are done at that point. I think Hibs were done probably at half time, to be honest. Uh, and we we cruised out to four 0 win. Dave, I'll stick with you on this. But the the manager talked after the game. You know, he he was asked if um, you know he was impressed with the performance, and he was he was very quick. I, I think as as we have been to to downplay the idea that yeah everything's great, everything's super now. You know, it was very much. This is one game. This is the start of the process. You know, we saw some of the results of the the seeds that we've planted in this um, in this past couple of days that we've had in the training ground. So, you know, it is early days. Obviously, we um, we've we've been hurt before, but still encouraging from this first game as to the potential direction that we can uh, that we can see us going here. I overall encouraged by what we've seen on the park. Again, not getting carried away because. I was totally carried away with Gio and more so carried away with Bielan. We'll come back to him in a minute. But mm-hmm. you can kind of see, the maybe know the, the parts of play, but I thought you spoke about Todd's pass. There's a couple of things Tav and Goldson did as well. We kind of nonchalant passes and no-look passes. That I thought you weren't doing that six weeks ago. You weren't playing with that confidence and freedom. And now you're a bit more liberated. And we're 2 up and you can do that. You can not take chances, but your confidence, the confidence was there to knock passes over people's heads and pull them off. And there was one point Todd did a kind of no-look reverse pass, not the one for the goal, much deeper. And I thought six weeks ago we weren't doing that. We weren't playing the types of passes. Everything was laboured. So we certainly freed it up. But I think, and again, I'm trying hard not to carry it away because as you've seen from my chat in the group chat, I'm now burnt so badly. I'm sort of still in full recrimination mode with myself over how badly <laughs> I get involved with Bill. Do you know do you know what I feel like? I feel like Deirdre Barlow. You know when she getting told me that <laughs> right? Right, you Dave. Know, I'm I'm gonna I'm giving you the floor here because <laughs> this is right, this you, is you know great. how you know how when Deirdre Barlow, I might not be getting this right, but you'll get the gist. Getting told by the scammer guy and she falls head over heels and believes everything he says and even though you can see he's a dick and she believes all his pattern, oh, oh it's, a, it's a work trip of a way, oh, she's just a friend. You buy all Bill's bullshit, we bought all his, oh, it's, it's just, she's just a friend, it's nothing to worry about. We bought all that and we bought it hook, line, and I particularly bought it hook, line and sinker and it's only when he's sort of fled the country, having emptied your mom's bank account and you realise what a scumbag he actually was. That's where I am. I'm still in full sort of. I hate him, obviously, Bill, for for hoodwinking us so badly. But there's certainly a degree of sort of self-loathing and self-recrimination, and to be perfectly honest, a sort of visceral hatred of all men 
that it <laughs> <laughs> remains I've been so badly so badly done over by this scammer and con man, even though I'm the victim, there's still that sense of shame. So anyway, to go back to Phil, I'm st- I'm struggling, I'm finding it hard. Phil's obviously the guy who's coming in now who's gonna he's a Ken Barlow, he's gonna teach me how to how to love again. <laughs> Right, but you've been hurt before, though. You've I've, been I've hurt been, before. I've been so badly hurt by this guy. Who was the guy's name? Richard Hillman. <laughs> Fucking hell, right. Dave, so, <laughs> so I feel I'm no, 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 he was Deidre. Was he not Gale? That was he was I'm, Gale's fella. I'm, I'm loosely familiar with Coronation Street, Tom. I'm, well, I mean, I'm riffing on, here. You, yeah, me, the, me too. The, me too. <laughs> I'm the integrity here. of the pod relies on this. So, we have to get our coronation straight things I, I right. I feel, I feel like Phil, like there's a, a kindling romance there that I, I still don't want to get carried away. But anyway, to, to wrap that chat up, I'm still hurt, but he's impressed me so much in the five days that he's been here. Everything's different. The sound bites are gone. The contradictions are gone. The nonsense he talked to kind of... There's an air of gravity. It just feels like we'll finally get a proper person in charge of Rangers again. And that feels good. It's not going to get carried away. Early days we felt big test on Thursday. But yeah. he is sort of repairing the, the damage that Michael Beale has done to Deirdre, i.e. me, a wee bit <laughs> and rebuilding that trust slowly. I mean it's it's been one good day, Dave, but you know, you can't get carried away after that. You need to see um no, 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 cut this young man's jib well, and see how I've, it goes. I've moved from the stage of throwing Darts at a photo of Michael Beale on the dartboard to sort of Gloria Gaynor and a bottle of white wine. I'm starting to. <laughs> uh, there's, there's light, there's some chink of light in the tunnel somewhere. Um, Dave, that was beautiful. Thank you, everyone who's listening to this on YouTube and TikTok. We appreciate your uh, listening ship and that's, your ship immensely. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, I just Googled it was a man called John Lindsay. Thank you. Right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> we have to we have to be correct on this podcast damn it this is you, you need you need to change the title of this to monday at eight or whenever it is coronation street gets aired we seem to have veered into that territory there we go there we go you know an awful lot about this right carry on yeah next <laughs> I just want us to, uh, you know, luxuriate in that for a little moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dave, I don't want to, I don't want to trigger any anxiety here, so I'll move on to Tom uh, initially, at least. But um, unfortunately, uh, Philip Plummer was not the only manager that we'd hear from uh, after this game. On social media, we also saw Michael Beale apparently name searching, posting under his alt account, um, and eventually getting around to deleting his Twitter account because. Um, I can't leave well enough for no. Yeah, I, I don't know what he was playing at. I mean, people will see gone back. I I defended him pretty much up up until the last possible moment. But yeah, searching yourself, searching yourself on Twitter after after you know your, your former employees of sorry former employers have won four nil is a little bit unnecessary. However, I will caveat that people who were finding that out and then searching him out by name to abuse him there's no need for that either you know let's let's just yet yeah, be angry be annoyed at him but yeah, let's not make it personal is yeah my I thoughts mean, no I, I think that's i think that's absolutely right on that that should be the line i think you know the app formerly known as twitter um has has never exactly been a paragon of uh, golden behavior and shining light in terms of uh, human interaction but 
it, it's a combination of a lot of thing, a lot of people doing a lot of silly things. But it all starts from Michael Beale deciding, you know what would be a great idea? Have a bottle of wine and let's get online and uh, and start having a look around for mean comments that aren't even tagging me online and uh, and just having a pop. Especially, I think you're always going to be in a position where you're more famous. You have a you have more of a platform. You can elevate that. Um, your role should not be to get down in the mud and and start throwing it around. But Dave, um, I, I like to think I've given you enough space, but um, I, I'd like to get your thoughts on on this particular matter. It's uh, it's hard to do that without getting personal in a way that I don't think mm-hmm. befits us because I, I think <laughs> basically Michael was a bit of a weird guy, I think, and that's became quite clear as I said earlier you suddenly get a, a, a guy with a bit of gravitas in charge of the club who talks sense and doesn't get carried away and I think Michael Beale's whole performance we'll call it that since the minute he left Rangers his public pronouncements his social media posts I, I don't know are things alright at home Michael? That's really where I'm at with it <laughs> uh, if, you can, if you contrast that with Van Bronckhurst, for instance, and again, I don't know if feel Chris here, handled himself with dignity and a degree of decorum, or a complete degree of decorum. And I, the, the whole Michael Beale episode is going to go down as one of the worst decisions in our history, the worst periods, despite, as Michael himself pointed out, using his burner at 80% win rate, right, or whatever it was. It's a bit like the, the, the new allegedly Neil Lennon does the same with Celtic, there's a Twitter account devoted to sort of <laughs> reappraising Neil Lennon's legacy there and a lot of them think it's him and most of the tweets tend to be done under the influence by the looks of them and Michael Beale seems to have slipped into that and it's not a great look for anybody really to behave like a sort of pished ante on social media so I'd like to just leave this whole episode behind. Sadly, I think there'll be a few windows before we can clean up some of the mess in terms of the signings. But uh, it's best for both parties if we just agree to move on. And if Michael could stop searching his cell and posting weird things, that would really (laughs) speed that process up. I think in in all cases with with a breakup, especially one that's not gone well, the best thing to do is cut the cords, just, just put the phone down, and and leave it be. You know, there's no need. To, you're you're only going to hurt yourself. You're only going to hurt yourself. Fucking unfriend us on Facebook, Michael. Block us <laughs> on Tinder. Just go home, man. Just go. The sooner yep. he gets another job, the better. Although I did see he was touting himself for a return to his ex. <laughs> uh, well, it, well, after it, I think maybe we should have seen this pattern earlier, right? He's he's already effectively cheated on his first girlfriend with Rangers. So um, to then to then try and go crawling back. It's not great. It's not a great look, is it? Some somebody on Twitter made a great point, and it, I wonder how he was when Gerard was there because I don't think he would have behaved like as he was described by it was good cop Babcock on Twitter. I'm sure most people follow as a more a motor mouth who thinks he's God's gift to coaching. I don't know if Gerard would have swallowed this behaviour, and I saw I think it was Chris himself who pointed out that Gerard and Bill no longer follow each other on Instagram. So, no, I mean, that, that's progress because uh, there's one or two members of our group chat who are still apparently following him and then getting really angry at the things that they say. <laughs> and, um, well, uh, as as we've said, you know, that the best thing to do, cut the cords, just 
you know, you're not going to gain anything from following. You just end up hurting yourself. I would like this to be the last time we had any cause to discuss the man, really. As I say, I do feel a profound sense of shame that I've ever bought into his general vibe. <laughs> Dave, Dave, you can't keep blaming yourself, man. You know, it's not your fault that you were tricked. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Do you know that means a lot? Because I've been wrestling with this. <laughs> I mean, we always do say that these are therapy sessions, and I don't think it's ever been more true than it is today. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Um, so yes, let's uh, let's move on from the old X. Um, unfortunately, a bit distasteful stuff, but it feels wrong to to let it go by without mentioning it. Uh, after the game, uh, it was made apparent that there was a lot of graffitiing, stickering done in the visitor section, referring to the Ibrox disaster um, by Hibs fans. Obviously, scummy behaviour. I, I mean. I think certain things should be beyond the pale. It's football rivalry. It's never going to be, you know, sunshine and happiness between the two sets of supporters. But I think there are certain lines that you probably do need to draw. And I think uh, one of the worst Scottish footballing disasters with respect to the fans is probably something that feels a bit beyond the pale to me. Um, And I think the fact that it had near universal condemnation across Scotland as well, Hibs, uh, and Rangers obviously both spoke out against it. Uh, the First Minister spoke out against it as well, which um, which was you know, impressive to see, given that he, I don't believe, is our biggest fan. Um, but just scummy, scummy behaviour, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, one of the worst parts were, were the stickers. You know, I mean, chance. You can, you know, people sometimes do cut up, do get caught up, and I'm not condoning anybody. You know, um, the fact that people weeks in advance thought I know what we're going to do let's get you know archive photos of Stairway 13 and get somebody to make stickers and we'll take them with us who fucking thinks that I, you know that's that is I, I cannot understand the mindset that you know to premeditate it that way yeah absolutely I, I think you're right Tom it's the, it's the forethought to say right lads let's let's get some stickers made this will really fucking stick it to them um Dave, I mean, there are some things that are probably just, there's absolutely no need, right? I it's, I kind of keep my head on it because it was never a really a thing that was used as a stick to beat Rangers fans or to goad Rangers fans, would rather. It was never really a thing then. It seems to be a modern thing. And back in the 90s, 2000s, the Debrick's disaster was there and it was acknowledged and recognised. Maybe, maybe not as much as it should have been. But it was a sort of private thing, and new clubs tend to want to use it to to bait us and try and get a reaction. They've obviously tried all their Sevco stuff, and it's not worked. So this new is the thing they've alighted on. It will get a reaction because people will viscerally respond to it. It's. I wonder if it's quite a modern thing with social media and people being accustomed to being edgy and saying what they want without any real repercussion. Rangers fans and Hibs fans have got history with casuals and fighting and I've been at Easter Road and seen outside the grun ambushes laid for Rangers fans which is clearly beyond the pale not acceptable and uh, in many respects or most respects worse but violence has immediate consequences and only really those who are prepared to engage in it do so it's certainly on the side of the antagonist which generally was Hibs fans but there's no consequences for these wee guys they can say this it falls into a sort of legal black hole, it's not quite hate speech it's not 
quite offensive enough to be a crime, might get banned, might know. It's it's tawdry and it's poor taste and it it saddens me no because I, I feel upset or offended. Just that that is where they have to go and that's what they have to say and they they think that's what's going to get a reaction out of you. It's it, it's creeping in down south as well. You see it with Munich and uh, Hillsborough and stuff as well. It's fucking t- tragic. We get well, I'd say we guys, but then you've also got Irvin Welsh who on Hibs TV wanted amongst other things Morelos chopped up with machetes and that got a laugh for the presenters. Yeah. But yeah. It's it's just pushing Scottish football further down this hole of Rangers will now react, they'll probably cut the allocation or do a wave in allocation for Hibs. Hibs will respond with a tit for tat reduction. Like Celtic only got six hundred odd tickets at Hearts and then use those six hundred tickets to do another deliberately provocative protest. Mm-hmm. And really again, we've said it for years, Scottish football hating itself to death and I just another example of that as I say it's it's for me it's not a case of being offended or angry because they really how we collectively feel about the Ibrox disaster does their opinion matters not a jot it's just a case of really really is that where you've got to take this mm-hmm. and let's be honest other fan bases do the same we know who I'm talking about but and to be Celtic fans quote a lot of places, but they tend maybe to go there less than than some others who we could name. Mm-hmm. But aye, it's just another tawdry. You've got to deal with it and look at it and just more bullshit. But I see a modern yeah. social media thing. I would venture. No, I, I think that's that's fair. I think it's it's out of a desire to try and try and shock and try and be edgy. Um, the Sevco uh, chat, as you said, Dave, doesn't really get that much of a reaction anymore because it's ancient grounds. And um, I think if you're holding up the opinions of someone with three names in a blog against uh, every footballing body in the universe, then um, yeah, you're probably uh, you're probably not exactly dealing with a full deck of cards anyway. But yeah, tawdry, I think, is absolutely the correct word, Dave. So we will not dwell on that a moment longer. Um, let's move on then to, um, you know, obviously happier and uh, more socially friendly vibes. Uh, Sparta Prague are our next opponents. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll um, we'll obviously be coming into this game. Abdul Asima has, uh, has some history, played for their biggest rivals. Um, and, yeah, this game... It takes on added importance because it's another big test for for Phil. It, it's it, it's not. I don't think it's it's a must win game. Um, in that it's, it's an away trip to a European ground, and I think generally we feel quite good if we get a point out of it. But given the the Limassol result, and given that this group is as tied up as it is, I, it does feel like it would be a really good opportunity uh, for us to kind of try and break away from the pack or at least separate out the pack uh, with ourselves ideally towards the top of it. So, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a big game for sure, Dave. Um, but I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are, uh, how optimistic or, or not you uh, you feel about this one. Uh, I feel a bit more optimistic now. I was pretty pessimistic until recently, but I think it's, it's maybe not a must win. It's certainly a must not lose, to use a modern cliche that I don't particularly like, but I feel compelled mm. to use here. I think losing would be really damaging and put us in the back foot. 
a, a draw would give us four points with the two weaker teams, if you want to call them that, at home still to come. Uh, I, I think we could probably be quite happy if we came away with a point. Deny Sparta two at home. We would then be on four. Hopefully, you start to see better stretch their legs a wee bit and as sort of favourites move towards the top of the group. And then if we can knock off Prague and Linus all at home, that would take us to 10 and really you're kind of hard place to go out with 10 points. So, uh, aye, if you offered me a draw right now, I would absolutely take it. A win would be terrific and would probably pretty much barring some sort of fucking collapse before the next <laughs> two games. Uh, you can never you can never write that. I was gonna say, just... surely we can't fuck it up from here, right? I I, I did on the most recent pod I did Chris did see oh we beat Betis that's us qualified for the group ahead of Linusel. Yeah. And Kenny and I were like, hey, no, 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 you've not seen this movie often enough, mate. Um aye, so a draw probably does enough to just put his favourites to finish in the top two. So Right now, and I, you know, we have fucking Rangers must win every game. Uh, but if you offered me that now, I would say, okay, that's that's fine. Happy days. That's a good result. It always almost feels like with Europe, you can put that into a slightly different box because, uh, you know, despite our relatively recent success in Europe, you know, that Champions League season aside, um, pretty much since Gerrard's, it, we, we've gotten... I think almost used to the idea of success. So it is it is weird to contrast that with with guys, you know, who are more, you know, versed in, in Rangers under previous eras where it seemed we were going to Europe just to get kind of humped about um, a lot of the time. Um so it, it just it feels like an interesting balance to um to see it. But yeah, I don't know. Um it, it's it's probably winnable, but it's so unknown and it's still early days with uh, with Big Phil that you just don't know what Rangers team is going to show up, although you hope would bring some of this uh, kind of attacking prowess into the next game. Tom, I want to get your thoughts on this quickly as well. Um, you know, obviously the importance of the game can't be understated, but I mean, it's an away tie in Europe. How confident can you ever be with that? Well, yeah, I mean, the positive I want to take is, you know, it's, the manager's got another, let's say, three, you know, two, maybe three days of training with, with the with the team. I mean, realistically, it might even be one. You know, they're going to have to fly out tomorrow, Wednesday, for press and all that stuff. Maybe a day off to, day off. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Confident-wise, yeah, it's 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 a European game. We'll 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 see what this team's made of because they're going to have a bigger challenge than they did on Saturday, but. If we play to our strengths and if we turn up, there's no reason we can't win. So yeah, I'm, I'll, I'm going to say yeah, I think I'm, I'm confident we can do something. I think to bring it right round to the start again, it's not a must-win, but it's definitely a must-not-lose for sure. So, with all that being said, then um, we've uh, we've talked about quite a lot, but we have one final very important point to cover, which is that uh, at the moment Saturday at three are being sponsored by our lovely colleagues over at Pi Sports. Um, if you want to try some of their fine wares for yourself, you can head over to Pi Sports. The link is in the description, and our voucher code is in the description as well. You can use code SAT at three. That's S A T at symbol and the number three to get ten percent off some of your lovely pies. And um, we also want you to enter your pies of the week. Now, if you want, as we discussed off air just before we uh, start recording, to nominate Chris Bet for 
looking at a 4-0 result um, that Rangers achieved and saying, no, nah, I'd rather not talk about it on the pod tonight, then uh, you can absolutely nominate him. Um, but we want to get uh, your input and your your votes for Pie of the Week um, across the spectrum of uh, of bangers in uh, Scottish football. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's uh, one thing we do not ever appear to be in short supply of. So um, we want your nominations either via the email or just uh, reach out to us on Twitter, any of our social medias, and uh, we will see it there. So please get those nominations in. And if uh, you're lucky and you get selected, uh, you win uh, the competition, then you will get some free pies from Pie Sports. And hey, who doesn't want a free pie? Especially when they're really good. So we encourage you to get your nominations in. Uh, we'll announce the winners of that on the pods. And then, yeah, we'll reach out to you and uh, arrange for some pies to get sent over to you. So please enter. And uh, yeah, free pies. So... Gents, that's it. Um, it has been a pleasure, as always, chatting Rangers with you, especially in the context of a 4-0 win. Um, and also, I want to thank our listeners as well. We encourage you to follow, like, share, subscribe the pods. Uh, we are on pretty much every social media going. We've got Twitter, Facebook, uh, TikTok, Threads, Instagram. There's probably a, a dozen or so others that I'm forgetting about, but we're pretty much everywhere. You can also get the pods pretty much everywhere as well. Uh, Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, we are all over the shop. Uh, if there is a pod network that you can't find us on and you'd like to listen to us there, well then, we'll, we'll let you do that. Uh, we will absolutely set that up for you because we're just nice like that. Um, so again, we appreciate the listeners. We thank you very much. I want to thank uh, my two lovely co-hosts as well because this, uh, this is a group effort as ever. First of all, Tom, mate, um, always appreciate you coming on. And uh, maybe, maybe I'll see you down at the beer keller on Thursday. Well, stranger things have happened. And yeah, <laughs> a, a, nice pod, a nice positive pod. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I, it's been rare. It's been rare. So it's always good to, to get one out, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> and uh, Dave, again, mate, always a pleasure to, uh, to chat Rangers with you, mate. So thank you again. Yeah, cheers, guys. Enjoyed that. Fingers crossed we've got a positive pod on Friday to come. 100%. Um, I look forward to describing you as the Deirdre Barlow of Saturday at three in the pod <laughs> description, mate. So um, appreciate you very much. Again, we, we say it every week, but uh, thank you to the listeners as well. Uh, this is the reason why we do it. Uh, we do it for you guys. We uh, appreciate, love all your comments and feedback, even the negative stuff, because it's always, always aimed at Chris. And uh, there's nothing that brings me greater joy than passing that on to him. So, um, yes, we encourage you to keep listening, keep sharing, keep commenting. Uh, it all goes a long way to uh, to keep us uh, doing this thing. We appreciate it very much. Uh, that's all for now. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you again later in the week. Bye for now.